Hey, hey, friends, I'm Thea Charles, and you are listening to the Push or Pivot podcast. In this series, we discuss the path someone chooses when they are at a crossroads of their life. Do they push through the adversity, or do they stop, reassess, and pivot? Our guest today is Samantha Kalanita. Samantha is a certified life and career coach based out of Savannah, Georgia. All right, welcome everyone. I'm really excited today to be talking with Samantha. Samantha is a life coach and she has a really, really great story that I know you're going to love. So welcome, Samantha. Hi, thank you so much for having me today. Awesome. Um, I was hoping that you could share a little bit about your background and who you are. Absolutely. So I'm Samantha Kalanita, and it's so great to get to meet you and your audience today. I'm originally from New York, but now very happily living in Savannah, Georgia. And as you mentioned, I am a certified life and career coach. So really what I do is I specialize in working with women who are busy, burnt out, unfulfilled, overwhelmed, and I help them to heal from their burnout, to find meaning in their work, and to bring passion and purpose back into their careers. That is pretty awesome. (laughs) I know that you had a pretty significant um, crossroad that happened with you back on your wedding day. Can you tell us about it or like, just, just tell us a story. (laughs) Oh yes, it's definitely a story. So I'd like to say that my journey started off with a bang, but in all actuality, it started off with a panic attack Mm. on my wedding day. So it was this beautiful destination wedding. And (laughs) the moment that the panic attack hit, was the moment that the thunder crashed. And in that moment, I just saw all the details, all the expectations, all the pressure I put on myself, all all of the, what are they gonna think of me? Mm -hmm. All of that was running down the drain, right, with that water. And it wasn't so much about the details of the wedding planning, right? This wasn't just about a wedding, Mm -hmm. this was a lifetime of perfectionism and people-pleasing and anxiety coming to a head on what I felt was the most important day of my life back then. It was a lifetime of putting this pressure on myself, and I just burst the moment that that thunder burst. Wow. And at that point in my life, I was 24, I was young, I had zero tools to deal with this panic attack. I didn't even really know what it was. I'd never had one before. (laughs) This is a brand new day for me. So in that moment, my eyes went wide like a deer in the headlights. I looked around the room and I saw a bottle of white wine. So I grabbed that Mm -hmm. and my two older sisters, who I'm very grateful for, and I ran to the bathroom and I proceeded to sit on this cold marble floor in my poofy white dress and have my very first panic attack. Wow. And the only thing I knew intuitively to do was breathe. So I just kept telling myself, breathe, Samantha, breathe, Samantha, breathe. And as I'm breathing through this panic attack, my oldest sister comes over and she puts her hand on my shoulder and she's so sweet. The perfect mix of mothery and tough love, you know? Mm -hmm. And she says to me, Samantha, no matter what, at the end of this day, you are going to get married to Michael. You are going to go on your honeymoon tomorrow, no matter what. But when you come back, it's time to get a handle on this because this is not the way that you want to start your life together. And as big sisters so often are, she was exactly right. It was time. This was my crossroads. I would either keep 
pushing through my life like a bull in the china shop, ignoring the impacts of the anxiety, the pressure, the perfectionism, ignoring what they were doing to my life. Or it would be time to pivot and actually face it head on. So what'd you do? Well, up until this point in my life, I was a pusher. Mm-hmm. I pushed through everything in my life. I was a high achiever, a girl who always did all the right things, checked all the right boxes. I mean, I graduated college in three years and sailed on to grad school and I wasn't even legal to drink yet. I was a classic overachiever. Mm-hmm. And in that pushing through everything, I always told myself, I don't have time to feel this. I'm stressed, but I don't have time to feel stressed. I'm angry, but I don't have time to feel angry. I'm too busy. And that busyness kept me pushing through, pushing through. But at this point in my life, I was done pushing. So I had to pivot. Mm -hmm. And that meant facing this anxiety head on. And more importantly, facing the choices underneath the anxiety that actually created it Uh and doing that for the first time. So when I got back from my honeymoon, I started a journey of a different kind. And this one was going to be a journey within. Mm. so yeah tell me oh there's so much more I know (laughs) I'm like am I gonna fall off this chair I'm like and (laughs) you know there's so much but after this moment and after this moment I hired my very first coach who's a coach a breath worker an energy worker and I'm so so grateful for him we're still really good friends today Mm -hmm. and the most important things that he helped me to do were to uncover the limiting beliefs the unhealed trauma And really importantly, those unconscious habits and patterns Mm -hmm. that I was doing that were keeping me in this anxiety loop. And I feel like these are things a lot of people can relate to. Maybe you, Mm -hmm. maybe the listeners. Yeah, definitely. You know, the patterns of you make a mistake and then you beat yourself up over it. And not just for a day, but you beat yourself up for a week or a month in your head criticizing yourself. And the habit of saying yes to everything Every work, a project, every party, every time I had to help someone move, saying yes every time, even if I didn't want to, and feeling terribly guilty if I would say no. That's not a healthy pattern. Right. <laughs> the new pattern I had to learn was pause, see if this is aligned with my values, with what I want, and then say no and be okay with no being a complete sentence mm. and trust people will accept you anyway. There were so many things I had to learn. <laughs> to heal that anxiety and to heal what was underneath it. The patterns, the stories, breath work was really powerful for me. Affirmations were really powerful for me. Um, The affirmation, and I'll share this with everyone in case it serves, it's, I am safe everywhere I go. I used to write it like a hundred times a day. (laughs) When I was in a panic attack, I would take my notebook out at work and I would write it. It was the one thing that could ground me in the present moment. So there were so many tools. I would read books. I'd go to seminars. I did acupuncture. I did body work. When I do something, I really do it. Mm -hmm. So I did all the things to help heal this in this pivot. Um, The one thing that's for sure is that I didn't do it alone. I had help because this was, for the first time in my life, it wasn't something that I could put all the weight on my own shoulders Mm -hmm. and just muscle my way through it. This pivot really involved asking for help and letting help show up for me. That's really awesome. And I mean, one, it was great that your sister said that to you. Um, I'm curious, how did you, 
how did you know that you needed the additional help? Like, how did you know that you needed this life coach? I often tell my clients that you know the truth by the way it feels. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're really in touch with your body, your brain, your intuition, you know the truth by the way it feels. And when she said that to me, I felt it. Mm -hmm. I knew it in my gut. She was right. I needed to get a handle on this. And what I had done up until now wasn't working. Mm -hmm. Me muscling through life, on the outside, it looked like it worked, mm -hmm. right? I had the degrees to show for it. I went to an Ivy League grad school and that showed for it. And I had this great job in a windowed office on Madison Avenue overlooking Grand Central Station. Mm -hmm. If you looked at me on the outside, you would have thought that pushing through and doing it all alone worked. Mm -hmm. But on the inside, it didn't feel like it worked at all. Mm -hmm. I was messy on the inside. I felt isolated and I felt depressed and anxious. I didn't have the confidence that I should have had for someone who had all those achievements. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So I knew it on the inside that it was time and that if I wanted to start this new life with my husband, I wanted to do it right. Right. Kind of felt like we owed it to each other. We made this big commitment. We took this huge leap of faith. Let's do it right. Let's start on the right foot, on a healthy foot. And I'm grateful he stood by my side through this entire crazy journey too. Yeah. Well, you picked the right one. Um, and I love how you talk about, you know, feeling how it looks great on the outside. And I, that's something that reoccurs for a lot of, I know for me and for a lot of people that I've interviewed that from the outside looking in be like, I don't understand where this crossroad is coming from because everything looks so beautiful and it's such a great package. And I think that's something that we all have to remember that we're all going through some struggles and that sometimes when you're doing what you think you should be doing, you're not really listening to where you need to be on the inside. Absolutely. That's a huge, huge theme I talk about in my work is the shoulds. Yeah. I like to say that the shoulds, they're any external expectation that you have perceived and agreed to. So you've internalized this thing. Like I should be married by the time I'm 30. I should weigh 125 pounds. I should get promoted every year because that's what success looks like. Mm -hmm. You check all these shoulds and check all these boxes, but we never feel like we really stack up to them because mm -hmm. they're not really what we wanted in the first place. Yeah. And the shoulds lead us right into a place of self-judgment, mm -hmm. self-criticism. And that for me is a really unpleasant spiral. So for me and my clients, we work to cut out the shoulds early mm -hmm. and transition them to I wants. Yeah. I'd rather hear what you want and what you desire than what you think you should do or should be. Yeah, that's something I say too. I'm also a coach to my clients, like you need to stop shooting all over yourself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and you know, I know you didn't mention this, but you're, you're back in, you were married in Savannah and you're back in Savannah, yes. which is a beautiful city. I went there a couple years ago um, for a work conference. I was there for a week. And I came home and the first thing I said to my husband was like, we need to visit such a gorgeous place. And by listening to your story and, um, you know, reading it and hearing it, it's just funny that you kind of made that full loop back to where you exactly. started. We did. We, um, we actually found, came upon Savannah in 2010. My husband and I, we were on a road trip. He was in the military at the time and we were road tripping from New York down to his base in Florida 
And we were driving through like three days of rain. I guess it was two, but it felt like three when you're driving in the train. (laughs) There was a point, we're in Georgia, and I saw a sign and I said, look, I heard that place is pretty. I cannot drive in this rain anymore. Can we please pull over and get out of this car? Mm -hmm. And I feel like in true Savannah fashion, like as soon as we got there, the sun came out and the clouds parted Mm -hmm. and we're driving down Forsyth Park, which is basically our central park. And I see the Spanish moss for the first time hanging off these oak trees. And I just grabbed my husband's arm and I said, what is this magic place? Right. Promise, take me back here one day. So we Mm -hmm. spent a few hours and then three years later, we're looking for a place to get married. Um, As I said, he was in the service, so he was deployed most of those three years. And we didn't really have anywhere in New York that felt like us. Mm -hmm. But something about Savannah called to us. It was that little gut feeling, this little magic pulled us back here. So we had a little destination wedding in Savannah in 2013. And in 2016, after three years of doing this inner work, going on this journey to find my self-worth, to find my purpose, and to really make my inside match that outside, yep, right? Yep. That outside that looked mm-hmm. successful and now the inside felt it. Mm-hmm. We did a little brave thing. You know, we decided let's quit these jobs. Mm-hmm. Let's restart this life with intention and at a slower pace where we can be the people we really want to be, where we can be slowed down. And really, it's really about being intentional. Yeah. I felt like in New York, as much as I love it, I'm grateful for it, that fast pace, that always pushing, that ambition, it can push you to a point. But for me, it's not great for my anxiety. Right. And it's not great for being that slowed down, connected to her intuition version of me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we quit our jobs. I hopped a plane to India and hiked around the Himalayas for a oh few weeks. That's awesome. Oh. It was amazing and challenging. Uh-huh. We, we like slept on the floors of ashrams and bathed in the Ganges River and it was beautiful and the perfect way to kind of disconnect and clear my mind from all of the chaos of New York. Mm-hmm. And when I came back, we packed up our little apartment and hit the road. And now we restarted in Savannah with a blank slate in a beautiful city. And now I get to have my dream job in my little dream place. It's such an awesome, awesome story. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm wondering, um, I know you talked just now about like traveling to like clear your mind. Right now we can't travel. What would you, what would you um, suggest to someone that is feeling kind of like how you felt then? I feel like I'm going to give that person the advice that they least want to hear, Mm -hmm. which is meditation is really the key. Mm -hmm. It's meditation. It's stillness. If you don't want to call it meditation, fine. It's getting comfortable being quiet in your own mind and making your mind a safe place to be and doing the work to quiet it. So uh, it's one of like Deepak Chopra's quotes is that he says, you know, if you're one of those people who says, I don't have time to meditate, then you're the person who needs it twice a day, not just once. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly who I used to be. So to that person, I would say, take a deep breath and be a little brave find some guided meditations that work for you. That really supports me. Mm -hmm. Because sitting in total silence is really hard when you're not used to being alone with your thoughts. Um, And to practice meditation, ideally in the morning, give it at least 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Practice hearing those thoughts and really choosing through them. Okay, this thought is helpful. This thought is positive. This thought's making me beat myself up. I'm gonna let that thought go. 
I will literally visualize putting that thought on a cloud and seeing it drift away or putting it on a leaf and visualizing it going down a little river. And maybe that sounds silly, but I got to tell you, it works. So that would be my advice to someone who wishes they could go away to clear their mind, but is currently stuck inside. That's really great advice. And yeah, once I started that as well, I was like, okay. Cause I, you know, when you hear meditation and you don't know what it is, it sounds like what, but it just like sitting with your own thoughts is, is really, it's a powerful thing and it's really nice to clear your mind like that. Thank you for sharing. Um, if you could give people one piece of advice, what would that be? There's so many things, but the one that came through to me most clearly is what you resist persists. I spent so many years running from my anxiety, running from all those feelings I was afraid to feel, running from the trauma that was underneath it. And the more you resist it, the more it builds, the bigger it becomes. You know, it's like when you push down your emotions, you build up all this pressure and eventually they become a volcano and they explode. That's what happened with my panic attack. I exploded from all of that repressed emotion. So what you resist persists and freedom comes from facing your fears and realizing that you survived, that you are stronger and more resilient than you gave yourself credit for. That is my advice today. That, and that's awesome advice. And I hope everyone takes that to heart. That was really, that was beautiful. Thank you so much. Um, Samantha, how can someone learn more about you? So the best place to go to learn more about me is my website. It's just very simply samanthacalanita.com. And I am really active on my social media. So if you want to come and hang out with me on Instagram, it's just Samantha underscore Kalanita. Um, and my Facebook group is where I show up every day. We do weekly live trainings. We've got lots of great engagement. Um, it's called the Heart Centered Women Facebook group. So we'd love to see you hang out there. Awesome. And I hope everyone checks her out. I'm definitely going to put it in the show notes so everyone can find you. And once again, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for sharing. Thank you so much. What did you take away from Samantha's story? What are you resisting? I'm Thea Charles, and I hope you gained insight from this story. If you'd like to learn more about the Pusher Pivot podcast, visit us on the web at pusherpivot.com or Instagram at pusherpivot. Thank you for listening please subscribe and join me next time on the Push or Pivot podcast.